All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers presented by Dash Radio. Thank you guys for coming to hang out on a Sunday. Uh, disappointing loss. I get it. We're going to break it down. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Raj, how's your weekend been so far, buddy? Been pretty good, uh, at least before tonight, at least. Uh, but we got to enjoy a nice four-game win streak. Um, this one was a little bit rough. I might be a little bit more on the positive side. I can already tell from your tweets, from the energy, it's going to be a little bit more probably on the darker side. But I'm doing well, man. How's your weekend? It's good, man. I'm uh, getting ready to go skiing again on Tuesday, so it's been a little crazy prepping for that. But uh, I, I'm i annoyed because, I mean, look, man, I'm with you in, in, in the sense that there is a silver lining because the Grizzlies are really good. And a lot of our guys played poorly tonight, and Anthony Davis has to be factored in here to some extent. Like, I get the fact that like through adjusted expectations, there's a little bit of a silver lining here. I also get that the scoreboard wasn't really indicative. Uh, I, and I should say the scoreboard before the late Austin Reeves fueled run and Wayne Ellington fueled run. The scoreboard was not as indicative of the, of the gap between the two teams. I think the Lakers, mm-hmm. I think the Lakers employed a trapping strategy with John Morant which succeeded in holding his scoring down basically to everything at the free throw line. Um, but, you know, when you do that sort of thing, you open up holes in the defense. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a very basic basketball concept. When you, I mean, I even take it to the high school level. When you're teaching a high school team uh, some sort of trap or anything where you send two guys to the ball, it is utterly important that you disrupt the guy with the ball enough that his pass out of the trap is either looping or slow or requires a pass fake or that it's deflected. Because if you do those things, you give your defense on the back line a chance to recover and a chance to cover the ground necessary to plug the holes that inevitably are opened up by you trapping a guy. But when you let a guy just casually jump over the trap and throw passes, either across the court or like what you, like you'd see throughout the game, even when Jaw wasn't, um, uh, even when Jaw wasn't in the game, you'd see the ball handler just kind of wait for the two guys to come. And then as soon as they came, he would comfortably make a pass across the court to that weak side corner. And those guys are just so open and so comfortable in that weak side corner that, yeah, I mean, we can say they shot really well. and Definitely they did, but those are easy shots. And if you give pros easy shots all night long, they're going to make them. And so there's fundamentally when you adopt that strategy of, of trapping like you do, especially against a player the caliber of John Morant, you just have to do a better job at the start of making those guys struggle to beat the trap. Um, Otherwise you're just going to get feasted on like you did all night. And then I think it cascaded into guys all getting confident. And then in the second half guys were making tougher shots, but Hey man, we talk about that all the time. That's the story of basketball. You let a team get comfortable with wide open looks and get confident to the point where they're talking trash after every foul and they're, you know, you know, having a ton of fun, you know, hitting each other on the chest and cheering and, and just looking like they're having the time of their lives. And guess what? They're going to keep shooting tough shots over the top of you and making them because it's their night now. You know what I mean? And, and I, I thought it was uh, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the strategy because you and I have talked a lot about how trapping is a good idea for this team as they play small. Um, but tonight it was poorly executed and a really good team just completely, you know, demoralized us on national on, on television. 
Yeah, so like I, you know, I try to break down the Atlanta game and how we trapped a lot against them, and we trapped against Trey Young, and I thought we were a lot more active. Memphis, obviously, and I kind of want to belabor this point. Memphis is a damn good team. Like they came in tonight with an eight-game win streak, I believe, and some of those games I think were even without John Morant. They won without John Morant in their last game. They're just good. They execute at a high level. They make things really difficult on both ends. Um, they're disciplined as well on both ends. They're just a tough team that you can't just give one cover to. And you're right. Look, I thought trapping jaw makes sense i would have liked to seen them at least let josh show that he can you know kill your team one-on-one scoring first like i thought we just showed him that coverage right away and we gave you know desmond bain wide open corner threes uh i forgot who their other shooters were uh i think john conchar i think that's his name he had like three threes in, in the first quarter as well this was one of the first games like and that's why it doesn't kill me too much but it just felt like you know the belief was lost really early like it was pretty clear Memphis was the better team and you're right the scoreboard doesn't indicate at least what the not the final score because you know we made a little nice run in the fourth quarter there but you know the score of the game being down 30 isn't really indicative of the difference of these teams but I thought there was some kind of like yeah Memphis is the better team and the kind of effort they would have needed to win tonight it just wasn't there you combine that with all our guards not playing well Russell Westbrook Malik Monk Avery Bradley all had games from hell to be honest missed layups missed open threes um at the bas- missed shots at the basket no one was really helping LeBron had 20 of our 43 early you're just not gonna win that way and defensively man Memphis shot 60 percent for the game I believe uh when the game was you know when the game mattered they shot like 75 percent in the second quarter you're just not gonna win that way and the Lakers weren't playing great defense either but they were also making uh, some pretty big big shots so that's kind of what the story of the game is to me I know the Russell Westbrook's kind of going to be the headline I think for a lot of this but I think Memphis is just a damn good team who came in and kicked our ass and they had fun they reminded me of the 2019 team where like we would just run up and down have a blast um, beating teams physically they, they I thought they physically out, out mauled us for a lot of this game offensive rebounding jaw took it to our chest um, and and really beat us and Jaw's a superstar he can do that Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five. I think that's a tough cover. We trap screens. Jaron Jackson Jr. rolls. And that's where a lot of our, you know, issues were. I thought we should have switched a lot more actions. I thought Carmelo at the five. This game was tied after the first quarter, Jason. It was 27-27. Then I believe we went to Melo at the five lineups. And, you know, those are just, it's not Carmelo's fault. It's not, you know, the the guys were in those lineups' fault. It's just that's that's a really tough thing to play. I thought him and Ariza looked slow against this this Memphis team. And I thought that's that's why we lost. Uh, the the game, I think Memphis went up like 15 or something during that run. So you pointed out that the um, the Grizzlies were way more physical than us, right? And that they mm-hmm. beat us in a lot of those areas of the game. You mentioned specifically that you hoped that we would do some more switching. And I think that those two, especially on those screen and roll actions, the force jaw to beat somebody as opposed to just making easy reads, right? So uh, he didn't even need to be a jump shooter tonight. Uh-uh, like he didn't all. need to at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic because like he, he did that to us once. So it would have been nice to see if he could shoot six for six again. Cause I think, right. I believe it was Darius Soriano from LFR who pointed this out, but I'm pretty sure outside of the Laker games, John ja Morant has been pretty mediocre as a jump shooter. It's been the Laker games that have, have fluffed up his numbers a, a ton. But anyway, those two specific concepts, the idea of switching more and the idea of getting physically mauled, have a lot to do with uh, something that I, I, I have been worried about a lot during this stretch. And this is kind of a Frank ideology because he's such a huge believer in ball pressure. So, you know, Frank likes guys that get up into guys on the perimeter. And typically throughout the world of basketball, throughout all levels, defenders who are bigger 
are more positional defenders. They don't need to sacrifice position to uh, to slow an offensive player down because they have the physical tools to cover ground, right? So most bigger defenders measure up. They play a little bit further off of a ball handler, which Frank doesn't like. And so what you're seeing is Frank playing a lot of these small ball groups that have a ton of these six, three and under guards that are ball pressure guards, guys like Russ, guys like Malik Monk, guys like Avery Bradley. And what's ending, what's ending up happening is they're getting caught on screens. They're not actually causing any sort of disruption at the point of attack. And now we're just a small team that's in rotation, small in stature, small in athleticism. We're struggling in that regard. So what bothered me is guys like Stanley, guys like Austin Reeves, guys like Trevor Ariza didn't really play much tonight. And in, yeah. in, in my opinion, if you play bigger, yeah, okay, Frank, you're going to have to understand that uh, guys like uh, uh, Trevor Ariza aren't going to be amazing ball pressure point of attack guys. Guys like Stanley Johnson, although he's shown good ball pressure this season, I get that he doesn't do exactly what Avery Bradley does. But when you're going up against a team like that Memphis team that's playing huge, massive athletic forwards all over the court where their point guard is arguably the most athletic point guard we've ever seen. And their two guard literally looks like a WWE fighter, you know, like in Desmond Bain. Like you can't go out there with all these little guys. It has to be more Reeves. It has to be more Trevor Reza. It has to be more Stanley Johnson because you need to have that physical versatility, the ability to cause more havoc and to hold your own in some of those physical matchups, especially when you're trapping, because that's the dirty little secret of why Ja was able to pick them apart in those traps. He can just jump over those guys. They're too small. That need, if, if it's a bigger lineup with more versatility, if maybe Russ is the small guy in the group, then, you know, you're doing, you're, you're offering more physical resistance in all of those battles. Now, when you're trapping, maybe that's Stanley Johnson that's contesting the pass and forcing you to make a much more difficult pass across the court, which you, we was for stretches of the start of the game mm-hmm. when we were more competitive. So, uh, again, I just think in terms of a scale, when you're playing this style, I don't think you can play all guards, which we complained about early in the season when we had to do that. We don't have to do that now. We have forwards. It needs to be a better balance, more athleticism, more size. I think it gives us a better chance of actually succeeding with these smaller groups, uh, unlike tonight. And again, it's fool's gold against the bad teams. These are the good teams. And I'm going to talk more about how we've been against good teams lately here in a minute. But, you know, against teams like this, the same stuff that worked against Houston isn't going to work. You know what I mean? And I, I think we need to play some of our bigger players, not counting centers, obviously. Yeah, I agree with that. And our guards, you know, didn't play well. And we're really not in the position. Like, if Malik Monk and Avery Bradley and Carmelo, like, if all those dudes aren't making shots, we probably don't have a shot either. I a little bit disagree on the it's fool's gold, I guess, against bad. Like, I, I get against a team like Orlando. You know, that's, like, probably one of the bottom-tier ones. But, I, you know, I'm higher on Atlanta than most teams. Like, I think Malik Monk, what he did against them is replicable against other teams. I think Malik Monk, uh, like Russell Westbrook said, you're allowed to have a bad game, right? I think Malik Monk is you know, allowed to have a bad game. I wish they went bigger. Uh, Frank Vogel talked about it a lot. They want to kind of move on to the small ball, which, you know, we both kind of agree with as well. We both agree with as well. 
I just wish it wasn't as rigid. Like I would have loved to see Dwight in before we were down 20. Like I just think there's ways where you can insert him and kind of switch the flow of the game. I think when we're small, teams kind of understand how to beat us. Uh, they were getting layups or open corner threes. Like it was it was one or the other. Uh, but yeah, I would like to see our wings play more. It's just it's tough for me to be too nitpicky here. Like when you're down 30, like there's not a lot of stuff to me that switched the flow. Stanley Johnson only getting one shift is a little frustrating. And that's happened a few times now. He played eight minutes in that first quarter. I thought he was everywhere. Uh, I thought he had a ton of deflections. He had a couple, I think he had a block as well running around. Like it would have helped to maybe have him so we can switch more. But I mean, you know, Memphis is just good. They're legit. They have pretty much all their main guys other than Dylan Brooks. And I think Steven Adams as well was out tonight, but they're just really good. And we didn't shoot well uh, and they killed us. They, you know, they executed nicely. Like maybe playing Reeves and Ariza more would have helped a little bit. Like it's just tough for me to kind of get, get there i guess so i still think like i don't think the four game win streak is something that you throw away because you lose against memphis you know what i mean like because i i think like there was stuff we built i think we did find some like things that work i think lebron and malik monk have found a two two man game that works it's just malik missed layups tonight at the rim he missed his he missed his jump shots he couldn't get to the basket part of that is also memphis being a good defensive team uh, i think you see that memphis also switches more they don't have a player you can pick on right like Trey Young, you can kind of play, pick on, throw him in a bunch of actions. John Morant has gotten pretty good defensively to me, like where you can't find a guy to pick on. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the best rim protecting bigs as well in the league. Like they're just a solid team. And, you know, we're just not at the level, I guess, uh, to beat a team like that right now. And we obviously this, we shouldn't be down 30, but it just felt like our belief got lost in, the, in that second quarter. Are you with me there? At least like I feel like that second quarter we got down 10 or 15 and we kind of lost the belief lebron was really the only one uh that that took it personal honestly he had a kind of personal vendetta there uh but other than that the rest of the team kind of uh the effort and body language was pretty awful after after that second quarter well every every non-lebron laker shot so poorly that we that we were living in transition losing shooters in transition giving jaw ahead of steam in that semi-transition right we committed a bunch of fouls in that semi-transition moment where the defense just isn't quite set. And that's the thing. It becomes like the Lakers are going to always be a team of runs when they play small because their, their defense and offense depend on each other so much, right? Like to, in order to get out and run, you have to get stops and you have to get a rebound and push the ball up the floor in order to, uh, in order to get, um, um, stops, we have to score so that we can set our defense. So we end up in this weird, vicious cycle where we have these stretches of the game where guys not named LeBron are just not making shots. And then it turns into like now we're living the entire game in transition. We're not getting any stops. Uh, I should say we're living in transition defensively. We're not getting any stops. We're walking the ball up into the half court. LeBron's making another read and another guy's missing a shot. And it just becomes this vicious cycle. And that's part of the downside of, of what happens when you don't have that other supreme talent. You know, having a guy like Anthony Davis there just makes it so that you can weather those kinds of storms a little better, you know, because having that other other that all world talent on the floor can change things. But, you know, I want this is what this is what brings me to Russ, because, you know, Malik Monk having an off night. I get that. That's Malik Monk. You know, he's a veteran minimum guy. He's been way more consistent lately than we should be getting from him. That's gold what we've been getting out of Malik Monk same goes for Avery Bradley non-guaranteed contract until the other day he's out he's outperforming that contract we are getting a ton out of him you know those guys playing poorly that happens what worries me 
is Russ because you can't just continue to have off nights. And now it, it, he is who he is, but from a strategy standpoint with team building, you can't have the guy that you paid this much for, not just in money, but in assets be this inconsistent and have these kinds of bad games where all of a sudden LeBron can be otherworldly good. And it's just not enough. And this is where it gets concerning. Cause I told you after the last game, um, uh, when we played uh, Memphis last time, I told you that I was worried about Russ's ability to succeed against good defenses that take away what he wants to do and force him to do what he doesn't want to do and how that could potentially be catastrophic in a playoff setting. And I looked back now, I know you think Atlanta is good, but I, they haven't been playing good. So the last six good teams that we played that I wrote down, three of which were against Memphis, ironically. Um, tonight we played Memphis. He goes two for 12 and looks largely ineffective on both ends of the floor. On um, the last time we played Memphis, he had that end of the third quarter fiasco. LeBron plays amazing. We're in commanding position to win the game. And at the end of the third quarter, he has an ugly turnover and takes a ridiculous one-leg step back that directly leads to the John Morant shot that essentially turns the momentum of the game and we end up losing. Then on Christmas Day, losing Patty Mills in the corner and then blowing the dunk on the other end. So that's three straight games that we lost against good teams where Russ had significant struggles either for the whole game or for key moments. Against Phoenix, uh, they literally lose the the non-LeBron minutes by 18 in that game. Russ has more turnovers than assists against Mm -hmm. Phoenix, a team that is going to have a ton of length on the floor, take away what he wants to do. Before that, against the Bulls, that was the game where LeBron was incredible again and was in a roll on a roll at the end of the game. And Russ looked him off to drive Nikola Vucevic into the paint and shoot that weird left-handed hook that he missed that went down to the Bulls scoring and the game being over. And then before that against Memphis, another loss, nine points, six turnovers and a minus 16. In my, from what I could tell, looking at the schedule, unless you're counting teams like Atlanta or Boston who have struggled all season, our last six games against actually good teams that are actually good, and have been good this whole year, Russ has been either flat out ineffectual for the entire game or been critically ineffectual in a key moment. And that is my greatest fear with this whole situation. Because, yeah, it's great in theory to have somebody that can carry you through the dregs of the regular season against limited teams. But what's the ultimate goal here? The goal is to get the Larry O'Brien trophy. And in order to get the Larry O'Brien trophy, you have to go through teams that will do defensively what Memphis did, what Brooklyn does, what Phoenix does. The, uh, the, the Brooklyn, it might be more janky. It might be more flat out ignoring and a lot of switching and weird stuff. But against the best of the best, you have to they, you, you get exposed. And, and I'm worried about that with Russ. And again, I don't know what to make of it yet. But like this is becoming a recurring theme. And, and it's hard for me to stay positive in light of it. Yeah, no, there's like there's no quick answer here. He's he's definitely struggled. I I don't know. I'm tired of like the every time I tweet about Russ, I get the forty four million dollar right. Like every single time, people bring up how much he makes, and I, I get it, you know, from like asset management and all that. But he's here now. Like I think that stuff is just for the summer. Like we need to kind of figure out his role. And you talked about comparing him having a bad game with Malik Monk, but act, but it's like they're almost 
the same right now with how we're playing, right? Just by what their roles are on this team. Malik Monk needs to be a scorer for this team. Like, that's just, like, for us to win right now, how we're playing small ball, he needs to be a scorer. Carmelo Anthony needs to hit open shots. Avery Bradley, who's starting, needs to hit open shots for us to run. Russ just needs to be able to, and he took a lot of bad shots tonight. And, you know, the I thought he started the game taking, like, five straight off of mid-range pull-ups. And that's more what it is to me. And I'm, I was looking at his shooting i think the last five games he's shooting like 33 percent from mid-range and if i look at all those i think pretty much all those are just terrible shots like i don't mind the bank shot pull up it's just i like it when like the players backing up but like tonight they were all contested like it's a struggle man like i I think against those good teams when we're healthy i've talked about this all season it's just gonna his usage is gonna be lower lowered like we're gonna have the ball in malik monk's hands we're gonna be have the ball in lebron's hands we're gonna have the ball in anthony davis's hands and his probably He's probably being outstretched still right now with his role. And it isn't great. He has to play better. He has to have better decision-making for sure. I just think, like, we have guys with roles that are defined now. So Russ's role is not, to me, to have to be a scorer on this team. We put guys in the starting lineup to help with that. That's what. That's why Malik Monk is starting, so he can have a scoring role. If he doesn't shoot well, we're not going to win. Blaming that also on Russ to me just doesn't like that doesn't really make sense. We've defined the roles for this team and putting like why we didn't win tonight because like if all our guards don't play well, obviously you would like Russ to kind of contribute to there, but that's just not the role he's in right now. He's in a like he needs to create, he needs to shot create. I think this team needs to live in transition. I feel like we are not a half court scoring team, and putting Russ in the half court again just opens up all what he's deficient at right now. He's not a good half court scorer right now. He's not a half court playmaker he's a guy that pushes the ball in transition and when we don't get stops that's why uh tonight's gonna look like what it is and russ has definitely struggled against the good teams he's also he's had a few games where i feel like he saved us in a lot of those i think the game against indiana he played well uh, a few others he's played well but yeah man he struggled against good teams i just don't like i feel like his role is gonna be i don't know put to the correct spot when we play the better teams if that does that make sense so I get that, and I in I in an ideal situation that will be the case, and that's why if the Lakers do make a trade around the deadline and get someone like Jeremy Grant and have lineups out there like Reeves or Monk with you know Jeremy Grant, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, like I'll still believe in the team's chances, of course. But like what you just said to me is the scary part in all of this because. You go, you know, he's he's a transition player. He's not a half-court player. Like, he's actually not a great player in the half-court offensively. And there there's truth to that. And here's the reason why, Raj. Like, when you're watching LeBron initiate a possession from the perimeter, you can feel all of these, like, good potential outcomes that are about to happen. Like, you're like, oh, if, if he goes under this ball screen, LeBron's going to have a comfortable three-point shot. He's just going to make that thing. Or like, oh, if they switch that, he's got a good post-mismatch or, or mismatch or Oh, if he, you know, if they trap him, he's going to be able to hit this. Like you think and see all these obvious positive outcomes. And the same thing goes with a lot of players on the Laker roster, like Malik Monk, same thing. Like you give that dude a bit of breathing room, that thing's going up and it's probably going in. There's all these like positive outcomes. But like when I watch Russ, like initiate the offensive possession, I'm looking and the defenders immediately giving ground and backpedaling to about 10 feet from the rim like putting Russ already from the start of the possession in that awkward position where he has to decide whether or not he wants to take a jump shot, which he has been taking lately, but like they're, they're not going in and some other nights he just won't even take them. So it just turns into this awkward situation where he'll like turn and post them up like five feet from the rim, but he initiated the possession at 30 feet and there's no contact. It's like the most bizarre sequence there. And then like when he gets to the rim, he's finishing at such a low rate, like that doesn't feel like a good outcome. 
really the only good outcomes we're getting from Russ offensively is like these bizarre plays where he just puts his head down and goes into like four bodies and just hurls the ball out somewhere and hopes that someone's there. And don't get me wrong. There are games where that has worked, but it's primarily been against bad teams in that style of play. Like if you're walking down a playoff level, really good defense that is set in the half court, he just doesn't have a threat. He's not a threat. He can't shoot over the top. He can't beat people off the dribble because they play so far off of him. And then the really good teams take away his chaos ball, which is Russ's MO that I'm just putting my head down and going to the rim and hoping for the best. But the, the best teams just sit on all that stuff and it doesn't work. And so it, it's concern. It, like that's, that's, that's where the concern comes from. And, and again, like it is, it is what it is at this point, but like, uh, the reason why it's worth talking about, and I, I get it, like I know particularly you, Raj, you get annoyed by this sometimes because we talk about it so much, but it's like the reason why it's relevant is because this is the ultimate test. The ultimate test is can this team get to the point where they can compete with and defeat the top tier teams? And these problems that I'm discussing with Russ will inevitably rear their ugly head in those games the same way they have in the previous six games that we've played against teams that belong on that tier. And so it just, it, I, I don't see how it doesn't ever cease being a topic as long as that's the situation. And, you know, that's where like, like Raj, when I look at it, I think, you know, the, all the chaos that would come from a rust trade and the idea of bringing back pointless salary filler and all the wasted assets and, not to mention the burned bridges that come from that and how ugly it would be. But then I think in terms of diminishing returns, <laughs> what if I had Monk and Reeves out there with a really good, with a really good wing, like, like uh, Jeremy Grant and LeBron and Anthony Davis. Would I like my chances more? And you know what, Raj, I might, I might. And that, that, that that's concerning to me, man. Like that's <laughs> concerning to me. I don't know how that could not just be like, like, I'm not just being a hater. I'm not being, I'm trying to be objective here, but like, that's where my brain goes. And I don't know how, I don't know how that can, that can, I, I can't be in the minority there alone. And that could, there's gotta be people. Who oh, do not at all. Do. Oh, no, no, of course. You, of course you're not alone in that. I mean, I, I, both of us, and I'm sure a lot of people get, you know, rush trade requests that people send me, you know, they work on their trade machine and be like, what do you think of this rush trade? And my response pretty much every time is like, He's not going anywhere. Like, that's why it's hard for me to entertain it. Like, I don't get annoyed at the conversation. It's just like, I just know that's not changing. So I'm trying to figure out what can we do, I guess, because he's here, right? Like, you would agree with that, right, Jason? Like, he's not going anywhere. Like, this. It's very, it'd be extremely unlikely that he would not be here after the deadline. Right. And even if you somehow. By the way, really quick, by the way, real quick, Raj, before you answer, Pickup Hoop just tweeted out. Against the top four teams in both conferences, 12 games total, 15.9 points, 8.3 rebounds, 9.3 assists, 4.9 turnovers, 38% from the field, 23 from three, 62 from the line. Yeah, that's, you know, that's not great. Like, there's no way to, like, sugar, <laughs> you know, like, there's no way to sugarcoat, like, how it is. Like, that that just isn't great. And then I guess my only, like, caveat, if you want to look at glass half full stuff, is, like, some of that is without LeBron, some of that probably is without Anthony Davis. Some of that is without any of our wings, right? We just started to That's get true. our, we just started to get our wings back. Russ has had some, like, I don't think the zero turnover game you throw away because he had a bad game against Memphis. Right. I mean, like, I think there are stuff that he just sometimes goes into like a, 
I need to make a shot right now. Like tonight, like he hit, I think he took like four straight mid-range pull-ups just because he felt like I have to hit a shot right now. And he gets into this mode and like my hopeful thing is that this changes a little bit when AD gets back. Maybe like you put more of the ball in his hands. AD can eat more possessions in that way. You, you brought up 15, what do you, what'd you say, 15? Oh, you shared it in the thing. Okay, 15, not eight and nine. That's kind of like 16, 8, 9 is like I would kind of live with that if the percent, if the efficiency was a little bit more up, if the turnovers were down. Like I would kind of live with that with a fully healthy team, right? Like if we have scores around that, like that's – but he hasn't been great. Like that, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, he's not the, you know, the shock creator that we probably need right now. And he just hasn't played well. And against those good teams, you're right. They scheme him out. They know exactly what they're going to do. They don't, they don't close out to him, right? Like he's not able to attack uh, closeouts. We talked about last game, Atlanta was going over screens on him. That's stuff that Phoenix will never do. That's stuff that Memphis will never do. Like, that's just stuff that won't happen. They'll go under, and he has to be able to uh, make the right decision. Uh, I think putting him in the dunker spot is something we've built on these last four games, and that's something I think also that doesn't go away just because we lost to a really good team. Like, I'm seeing little things, but, like, I, there's no sugarcoating. There's no, like, pretty answer to be like, yeah, this is why it'll work because we don't know. I've said that we are in no position to even compare to Phoenix and and, and the Warriors right now. Like the Warriors who got Clay back hilariously tonight. Like yep. they're, adding, they're adding Clay freaking Thompson to that team, but that's another conversation. But like to me, we're like we're on a ladder up to those teams. Like we are like beating Atlanta to me was a stepping stone to getting up there. And Memphis to me is showing more and more that they're closer to that Warriors phoenix instead of like the dallas us and all these other teams that are mixed in right now um and that's kind of where we're at memphis is a damn good team they schemed the hell out of us they also played harder they also you know kicked our ass physically out rebounded us um and they just beat us in all levels so that's kind of what i see but yeah the rest conversation man it's interesting it's not going away for sure i'm not saying it should go away i just think like we're in a position now where he's on the team so we have to kind of find tangible solutions to that i don't think he's going anywhere like no trade is happening for me I got one last question about Russ, and then we'll move on. <laughs> I, uh, if the Lakers were to remove Russ from the roster and do absolutely nothing else, so nothing in return, no nothing, like if they were to literally waive him and distribute his minutes amongst the guards and wings that we have on the roster, would mm-hmm. the Laker would the Lakers be significantly worse, slightly worse, the same, slightly better, or significantly better? If you just remove Russ from the roster and, yeah, just, and just distributed his minutes among shooters and guards and, and forwards that are on the roster. I think we'd be worse. Uh, so how much worse, slightly worse <laughs> or significantly worse? Uh, I'm going to lead more significantly. Like I, I think that what Russ does is something we do need. Like he's our only other ball handler in that starting lineup, even though the, like I also Malik Monk, I guess is our scoring ball handler, but I do think he does stuff that we need. I think him pushing in the base and stuff. Like, I, I think he adds stuff to the team that we can't just throw away. You know, if you just took him off the team, I I feel like that's not a solution here at all. Like, you losing that would hurt. That you would limit the roster. You would, again, have to, you know, reach out into the 14, 15. Man, like, I, I don't think that's a solution. How about you? What do you think about it? So, okay. So, that's fair. And I thought you would say that. And I don't – I'm not saying you're wrong. However, my opinion is with as well as THT has been creating over the last couple of games – and with has as well as Malik Monk has been playing with how inconsistent Russ is with the amount of bad that he brings with his good and with as well as LeBron has been playing, I think they would be somewhere between the same to very slightly worse. That's and to me, that's the freaky part of all of this. Uh, when you really, really think about what all went into that, but we can move on from Russ. That was just that was just my 
like the, I, I, I told you after the last game that I had just a little bit of a weird feeling, like yeah. it seemed as though he was playing poorly against the good teams. And I said, we needed to research it and, and kind of dig into that and kind of see. And so I did that tonight and it was concerning what I found, you know, but I mean, look, LeBron AD plus, you know, shooting is a successful formula. Like that's, yeah, we, we know that. So this Russ thing is new. Like it's a new process. Like if you could probably put LeBron AD, um, Leak Monk and, you know, Austin Reeves and Trevor Reese on this team would probably still win a shit ton of games if AD was healthy. Like it just mm-hmm. like, that's a successful formula to me. This is brand new. You're throwing a, full shot creator into this that needs the ball in his hands. Uh, and it's interesting. I think it's similar to why THD has its tough time in those lineups too, because he mm-hmm. couldn't space the floor. So I don't think you're like off there. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's a right, <laughs> right I guess, answer to that, to that question. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, but you know, as far as, as far as like the, the totality of the game, like I do want to give a lot of credit to Memphis. They came in oh, yeah. and just played a fantastic game. They handled. Now here's the thing. They're, they're a well-coached team and um, jaw has faced traps on occasion this season, not from LA, but from other teams this season, he's probably faced traps that have been far more well executed than ours, which begs, which leads to the result that you saw tonight, the pointless gambling off the ball that, uh, or the, excuse me, the, uh, um, um, well, it was kind of gambling in a lot of ways. That guy at that weak side corner would just kind of overhelp into the, into that romance situation. And it just became a really, really easy read. But anyway, I got to give Memphis credit. They, they shot incredibly well and executed really well out of those traps. And then in the second half, when the Lakers did try to tighten some of that stuff up, they had a swagger to them. They had a confidence to them and they just walked us down a bunch of times and made a bunch of shots. One of their recurring themes in the second half was Kyle Anderson being able to just put his head down take that Man. long lumbering dribble that like that, that last dribble that initiates contact into the chest and then shoot floaters over the top. And then you saw John Morant just start putting his head down and spinning and jumping and, 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 you know, ripping to the rim and just drawing fouls every time. And that was, it mm-hmm. was, it was kind of like a four, it was like a, a force that we were incapable of stopping. And, you know, I tweeted during the, the right around the half time, right around the beginning of the second half, I tweeted that, you know, this might just be a team that we can't beat without Anthony Davis. That's, that's, that's very possible. Like if we were to play a series against them and AD was unavailable, I wouldn't like our chances. That's just the reality. However, like we're better than we showed tonight. The, 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 this, to your point, we were on a four game winning streak. We're probably a few points worse than Memphis in a typical matchup. We had a nightmarish outcome where while LeBron had a good game offensively, literally everyone else had a nightmarish game offensively. And that's just how it goes sometimes. And meanwhile, on the other end, the same looks that we were missing, Memphis was knocking down and that's all she wrote. Next thing you know, you're down 20. But uh, you have to, you have to acknowledge that there, there is some positive progress here. I don't agree with everything that we did strategically tonight, but we're not as bad as we look tonight as well. Yeah, and we're like, you know, moving to a new identity and, you know, moving to this new small ball. Like, we've been saying, like, we're a new team in, like, a good way, right? A lot of the times, like, these last four games, we're like, we're a whole new team, and that's all, and that's mostly been in, like, a positive 
connotation, but then you can kind of see the bad of that tonight as well. Memphis looks like a team that's been executing, you know, for the whole season as a squad that knows exactly what they're going to do. And tonight we met a team that, you know, just beat us in, in every way. And like Russ has to be better not to move back to him, but like he has to be able to finish layups and all that. Like, that's all true. I just don't know how much that's like because Memphis or just just Russ missing layups, you know, like that's where like I have a hard time like putting those, I guess, together. Uh, but Memphis was good. They definitely, you know, they have good shot, uh, shot blocking at the rim. But like we're a new team. We're trying to figure stuff out. The Camaro at the five stuff, I feel like I've seen enough film to where that should probably no longer be a thing, but we're, we're obviously still going to that. Um, and I talked about, I hope Dwight Howard kind of plays a little bit more. Both of us, I think, want Dwight Howard at least to be in the rotation in somewhat, in some form. Yeah, we a, just like, want him to be in there to a small extent, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, a, be our backup center. I think that's something that, you know, that we can do. But we're obviously trying to lean all the way into the small ball, and you're going to see stuff like tonight. Frank has talked about he wants to get data on some lineups, and even if you know we're getting killed on some stuff, he'll stick with it. Uh, I think trapping Jaw probably was some part of that as well. Uh, just trapping him every single time, even though we got the same wide open corner three. They just wanted to see what that looked like a little bit. But I don't like to me. I disagree with just the approach in terms of I think we're in win collection mode right now. Like we can't give up you know games that you know should at least like we should have had at least somewhat of a chance tonight. But obviously Memphis ended that, but. Yeah, no, tonight was tough. I just don't think that throws away everything we did the last four games as well. You obviously, this is obviously a barometer game, and and we didn't, you know, we didn't come close to reaching their measure. But I don't think that throws everything away from from what we've at least somewhat built these last few games. Getting guys back, AD and Kendrick Nunn should be back in the next few weeks here. Uh, so that that's why I'm like a little bit more positive. But you know, it's never great to get your but kick by 30 at home for sure. Yeah. And there's, it's not a, let's pack everything in and, and, and surrender the season. It's just, okay. You know, we're not as good as we looked over the last couple of weeks. There's a lot still to get mm-hmm. better at, but you know, we've made progress. I'm hundred percent with you there. I had one last thing on my list. That's a mini, just a miniature soapbox having to do with officiating. And for the record, when <laughs> it comes to, when it comes to, uh, 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 free throw attempts. What do I always say, Raj? I say the team that's more physically aggressive actually gets to the yeah. free throw line more. That's just a basic basketball philosophy that everyone should be aware of. But I just, I wanted to uh, nitpick a handful of calls tonight. There were two or three with John Morant floating around the lane. And then there was, uh, um, the one where, uh, Desmond Bain kicked out his foot and on all three of them, they were calls that went against the Lakers, two of which went, went against LeBron. The one on Bain was against LeBron. One of the floating mm-hmm. John Morant ones, um, uh, uh, jaw jumped into LeBron's airspace. LeBron basically turned and did a textbook box out where he didn't even shove jaw. He just was defending his own position and jaw. Nothing happened. Basically he just screamed and yelled and the ref called a foul. And then there was the one at the end of the game when the Lakers made their run to get within seven, where, uh, um, gosh, who, uh, he drove along the Austin left Reed. side. He was going against Austin Reeves, but it was, uh, Bazemore was guarding him. Oh, Bazemore. And Bazemore just didn't even touch him. And li- oh, yeah, I saw your replay liter- on that. Literally mm-hmm. didn't even touch him. And, and the guy just screamed and yelled and, 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 and flopped and threw a shot up and got a foul. So again, not, I'm not talking about the game itself being poorly officiated because that kind of thing is just an epic epidemic around the entire league. But like it, it bothers me because like if you were with 15 guys, your buddies at the court, you know, playing some pickup or if you walked into a high school practice or if you walked into a college practice or if you walked into an NBA game and you pulled all of the players and you said, hey, if you wanted the refs to err on the side of calling fouls 
just because they think one might have happened or erring on the side of only calling a foul when they're absolutely certain that it happened, what would you want? Every single one of them would say they want the latter. Every single one of them would say that, except for maybe Dame Lillard who complained about how the officiating was bad this year, but, but at the beginning. But for the vast majority of basketball players want to play on. They want flow to the game. They want you to err on the side of not calling stuff. They're okay. They'd rather be in a game like that where they're complaining to the refs about not getting calls than be in a game like that where they are complaining about constantly getting called for fouls. That's just the basketball character of every single person. And it drives me nuts how many of these NBA officials are literally baited by this crap. And when it's, it's, it's one thing when it's the James Harden thing and you're actually seeing contact, which is a different type of bait. This is like I heard someone yell. <laughs> this is like mm-hmm. he flailed. Like there's a lot of this kind of stuff. And it's just, I swear, it's just a horrible, horrible, horrible uh, disease on the league because it, 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 it ruins games like this because John Morant was incredible tonight. Absolutely incredible. But he, one of the most unfortunate side effects of, of his play tonight is he was moving so quick that the refs just didn't know what they were looking at. It was almost shack like in the sense that they just didn't know how to officiate him. He would just go flying into the lane and throw something up and they'd blow their whistle just because they didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? And that's, that's unfortunate. I would rather have officials err on the side of calling what they concretely, absolutely certainly see. Yeah, it's tough. John Rant's a tough guy to kind of officiate and he star he's kind of leveled into that superstar level as well, right? Like he's kind of entered the superstar phase of like he's he gets he's gonna get some of the benefit of the doubt calls as well. He goes so fast in transition though, like it's hard to kind of know. Uh he'll just jump into you and then they'll call the foul even if it's going back. I think Stanley Johnson was a little bit frustrated with that uh, a few times I saw. But man, Jaws a, a tough cover. Uh, with that, I thought that, you know the refereeing didn't decide tonight. Obviously, uh, and you talked about guys like Giannis as well get different get get calls like this. But yeah, it's interesting. But uh, yeah, Jaws is a guy that that's he's special man. He's gonna be a tough guy that you have to officiate. He's a tough guy to officiate. He's a small guard who gets up in the air uh, a lot, so it's easy to kind of uh, make content in that way. And I think he's gonna up his free throw attempts even more as as he as he goes here as he gets more benefit of the doubt calls um he's he's a superstar man and uh, he's he is a freaking superstar man he is yeah he is so good like i think he should be on the all nba team this year and that for for a guy his age um he might start in the all-star yeah oh dude he's he's outrageously good um but that's all i had on my list roger is there anything else you had that you wanted to hit on tonight before we called it uh, really quickly, just shout out Austin Reeves, Wayne Ellington, you know, for uh, I think it was a 19 0 run, uh, which, you know, it's crazy. You go on a 19 0 run and still can't, uh, put, you know, still can't win the game. But they cut it to like eight. Just credit to them. Wayne Ellington stayed ready, played hard. Um, I've obviously been a com- uh, proponent of Wayne Ellington. It hasn't worked out exactly, but, you know, uh, he led a comeback. And I think Austin Reeves needs to play more. And I think you said 21 minutes tonight for Austin Reeves. Like, that's just, that's not enough to me. Like, he needs to. Him, uh, Reed, uh, sorry, Austin, Stanley Johnson, those guys need more minutes. And uh, hopefully when we play these better teams, they do. But I just wanted to give them a shout-out, uh, not, you know, just laying the game away, making making Memphis put their starters back. Like, that's a – we don't really take um, 
you know, what is that called? Or we don't really take those kind of wins, but that's something at least. He forced Memphis to kind of put their starters back. Don't quit on the game, and hopefully that leads to uh, a win on who they – I don't even know who they play next, honestly. Uh, but hopefully that, that leads to them. They play Sacramento, I think. I believe. I think we play Sacramento and then Denver uh, Wednesday, Wednesday uh, okay, yeah. this week. I'm not certain. Um, on the road, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe yeah, we're Yeah, we're going on a road trip now. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Like when it comes to the non-LeBron Westbrook uh, guys in this group, I mean, I go away from Westbrook too if he's having these catastrophe nights. He just can't do it. But like mm-hmm. the point is, is he needs to like we have options. Lo- we have a long enough list of options on the wing with guys like Bays who are bon- like Bays is a bona fide NBA player who's outside of our roster, outside of our rotation right now, largely because he really struggled playing alongside DeAndre Jordan. You know, but like. We have Bays, who's an option. We have Reeves. We have Stanley Johnson. We have Ariza. We have these wings out there. It didn't have to be just incessantly leaning on Avery Bradley and, and Malik Monk. Like, if they don't have it, like, you, you probably stick with Monk because of what you need just in terms of him as an offensive threat, um, in terms of keeping the defense honest. But, like, you got to – you yeah. Frank's got to be more willing to be like, hey, Avery doesn't have it tonight. Let's go to Reeves. Or if Austin's having a rough night, hey, Austin doesn't have it tonight. This goes to Ariza or vice versa. Like it just needs to be like the, the, the minutes out, especially in a small ball concept where it's not really about positions. It's like five perimeter players basically. And, and one guy who can run your pick and roll coverages at any given time, like uh, on the back line. At that point, it needs to just be fair game, interchangeable. Who has it tonight? Like, Okay, Malik's got it tonight, you know, or Austin's got it tonight. These are the guys I'm riding with because that's that's how these kind of games go. Like the the role players were just dead in energy tonight, and it's like, man, that that you got to lean on your energy, guys, in a case like that. But anyway, that's that's yeah. all we have for tonight, guys. We're going to uh, po- well before wait, before right? before you close before you close out last just to close this out because it's been kind of uh, gloomy. Uh, LeBron, LeBron says uh, it's been a lot clearer how we want to play basketball over the last few weeks. And says, despite the poor from, per, poor performance tonight, he believes they've been playing good basketball. So just a little bit of uh, positivity there. We've mm-hmm. they've been playing good basketball tonight. Doesn't ruin that. Uh, just let's remember that for sure. And and like last thing, really quick, like what is there are different types of teams in the league, right? If you're the kind of team that loses to bad teams, then you're probably a bad team, right? But mm-hmm. in, and if you're the team that can't beat the good teams, then you're probably not a good team. But if you're beating all the bad teams, which is what we're doing now, then you're not a bad team. So, so like, so like if they're like, if the, to start the season, the Lakers were bad, you know, and we've, we've leveled up without Anthony Davis from being a bad basketball team to an extremely mediocre basketball team, which is something that we can take as a, as a step forward in, in the right direction. But and yep. Anyway, thank you guys so much for hanging out on a Sunday. I know the, there's a lot going on, but I appreciate you guys hanging with us. This is going to air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we'll also be on our podcast feed here in about 20 minutes or so. Thanks, as always, for the support. We are back Wednesday. Raj, I am bringing all my stuff with me to the mountain. And I'm, nice. I'm hoping to do a postgame show, but I cannot make any <laughs> promises to you, my friend. But we will stay in touch as we get closer to game time that night, and I'll let you know how it goes, okay? Sounds good. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you.